Hey, um, we are in Psalm 23, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read it for us, and then we're going to just dive in, all right? So if you have a Bible, you can open it up with me. We're, we're, what we're calling this is Summer in the Psalms, just through our preview services. Um, so Psalm 23 is what we're going to conclude our series on. Um, if you don't have a Bible, the words are going to be up on the screen. All right, so here it goes. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. Look at this, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is God's word. Um, So tonight we are concluding what we're calling our Psalms series, where we're looking at Psalm 23. And I think this may be one of the more popular Psalms in all of the Psalter. Like, everybody knows Psalm 23. So as I was thinking about this psalm, um, there's two instances that came to my mind. So Coolio's uh, Gangster Paradise came to my mind. I mean, I'm not, I have more self-worth than to try to start rapping that song in front of you tonight, but that's the first thing that comes to my head. It's a great song. You should go listen to it, all right? Second one was a scene in Titanic. You know what I'm talking about? So Titanic with Leo, Caprio, everybody's heartthrob. Um, so we, he's, the, the ship is literally sinking if you remember the scene, there's a priest, and what's he reading over the people is there's just mass chaos that's going on around them. He's reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And so, hey, like, this is a psalm that everybody knows. Like, we all know this psalm. Like, everybody knows this. And I think the reason that we love this psalm so much, the reason we see it just displayed even throughout our culture so much is because it's so relatable, I, I was a communications major in college, and why I was going through that, it was basically a business degree without the math. I just didn't, did anything I could to avoid taking math in college. I, enough of it was done in my past. I was done with it. So I just did whatever I could, the, the least amount of math as I could possible. And so what they drilled in us through these communication classes is that if you wanted to have great communication, if you want to be an excellent communicator, one of the distinguishing marks is that you showed relatability to your audience that you spoke their language, that you used images from their everyday life, that you, you address the, heart, the, the wants and desires of their hearts. And Psalm 23 does every single one of those. So David's the author of Psalm 23. He's walk, working through uh, calling God shepherd, where this is a people that are a nomadic agricultural people, and the, he's speaking the language that they would speak on a day-to-day basis. He's using imagery of the green pastures and the still waters and the right paths. These are all images that every single one of us understand, especially the people that he's writing to. And then at the most, at like the height of all of this, he addresses the very heart, the desires and wants of our heart, that there's provision that there's security, and then that there's hope. So here's like all I'm wanting to do with this tonight, all right? I just want us to unpack Psalm 23. I just want to like gaze at God. Like David makes him so relatable in Psalm 23. And all I want to do is just like 
look at this God. I want to try to get into their shoes. I want us to try to imagine what they're going through. And I want us to just sense the goodness of who God is. So like, what I was wrestling with, what do we do for preview surface? Do we look at our cult, like our our core values, like, how, like how, what do you do like, when you're meeting once a month? And it's like, man, I, I just want us to be a church that's about Jesus. And so like, we're just going to gaze at Jesus in Psalm 23. So as we're gazing at him tonight, here's three things that I think we're going to find from Psalm 23. All right, The first one is this, is that he provides for us. The second one is that he protects us. And then the third one is that he pursues us. So he protects, or he provides, he protects and he pursues. So the first one, uh, that first point he provides for us, I just get from the very first three verses. I'll recite it again so we're all on the same page. Here's what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life, and he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, it doesn't take a lot to get where I got the idea that he provides for us, right? Like, you don't have to unpack, like, the meaning, the biblical meaning of each word or dissect each of the metaphors that are going on here. David says, I have what I need. Literally, like, God has provided for me. But he does use images, so, like, the green pastures, like, this is where sheep would go for food, right? And they'd also find rest. Like, it's a nice, lush, green grass that you can eat, and then you can lie down. You have still waters where you get your drink, and there's also just this display of tranquility for a person's soul that follows the Good Shepherd. You have the right paths. This is like the guidance and direction that God gives for his sheep. But there's a couple of things that I think we need to know about the shepherd from these first three verses that speak to his provision for his sheep, all right? So the first one is this. The shepherd's provision leads to renewal. It leads to renewal. You see David say this. He renews my life. The green pastures, the quiet waters, the right paths, these all lead to a place of renewal, all right? So renewal at its like, lowest sense means that this brokenness of your life is put back together. You've made whole. It's like a, a deep thirst that you have in the summer months. Like you take a huge drink of water and it kind of quenches that thirst. This is what David's speaking about when he says, my, he's renewed my life. Now, this is something every single one of us desire. Every single one of us wants this renewal in our life. I would even say that our culture is kind of begging for it. This is why there's been such a huge emphasis placed on things like soul care and holistic health. We're looking at like our nutrition. We're looking at our rest. We're looking at our sleep. We're looking at all these different factors for the way that we can kind of piece ourselves back together again. We, we all want renewal. When we pursue these things, it's basically a sense of us crying out, like, I want to be put back together again. I realize that my life is fractured, and I'm looking for any type of way for my life to be put back together again. And what David is saying is, like, I found it. I, I, my shepherd, through the, the green pastures and through the still waters and through the right paths, like, I've found the renewal, the very thing that my heart desires to the deepest extent. I've found it by following the good shepherd. It leads to a place of renewal. But the second one I think we need to really realize is the shepherd's position among the sheep. All right? He says, he leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me along right paths. You see, the shepherd is out ahead of his sheep. And here's the reason why I think he's out ahead of the sheep. He knows the way. He knows the way. 
He knows how to get to the green pastures. He knows the way to the still waters. He knows the right paths because he's traveled them already. He knows where they lead. He knows the place that they end up. I, I had a pastor at one point, um, I don't remember who said it, but he said this, you cannot lead others to places that you haven't been yourself. Meaning, if you haven't experienced whatever place that you're wanting to go, then you can't instruct people how to get there as well. Now, David says that God leads him to these places that the provision of renewal is provided to them. He's saying, like, this is, this is the way. Like, if you're looking for the person that's going to point you in the right direction, if you're looking for the YouTube channel, if you're looking for all these different places, like, this is the place. This is the direction. This is how you go and find the very heart and desire of what you want. This is a testimonial. Psalm 23 is David's life experience that he's putting out in a very song for God's people. And we use these testimonials to give credibility throughout every facet of life, right? Like you go to like Reddit, you go to different like Amazon reviews, like we look for credentials for people that have given testimonials. Yeah, I love this product. It's great. We look for it in like justice in our court systems. Like one of the most valid things is you find a testimonial of somebody that saw what happened and they can give voice to it. Well, the Bible's no different. David is standing before his people. He's the king. There's, he has notoriety. People know his name. And he's saying, look, this is the way. The very heart that the very thing that every single one of our hearts desire, this place of renewal, I found it, and it's by following this shepherd. He's speaking in the language. He's showing the very things that we want deep down in our hearts. He's showing through imagery the very things that they can place in their own minds, the things that they've seen with their own eyes. When we see this repeatedly throughout the Bible, we see that the Bible continuously says, this is the way. If you want to follow, if you want to find the place of renewal, you go and you follow the God of the Bible. Now, I, I can't, we, we can't work through every single like, time that you see this throughout the Bible. Here's one of my favorites, all right? So Psalm 19, all right? Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10 says this. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. And look, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. So like, here's like, what I'm trying to point out through all this, all right? Just trying to like, sum it up a little bit. Like, God is the ultimate source of renewal. Like he's, if you want to be whole, then you have to go to God. There's literally no other place that you can find it consistently provided in your life. God is the primary source. And here's what I'm kind of afraid of, all right? If God is the primary source, I'm afraid that we have majored in the secondary sources. All right, so I, I, like when I was in grad school, I had to write this paper about this ancient guy, um, this ancient thinker in third century. So, like, one of the things we had to do is we had to go deal with, like, primary works that were written by this guy. So, like, I go in, I dive into one of his works, and I'm trying to go through, and I'm trying to, like, give my thoughts on this thing. And one of the, the main, like, feedbacks I got from the grader on this paper was that I dealt too much with the secondary sources, this people like me that were speaking about this particular person and their thoughts in the third century, rather than dealing with the primary source itself. 
I mean, he literally said, like, you majored in the secondary rather than dealing with the primary. And I'm afraid that when it comes to our desire, the deep desire in our hearts, that somebody would put us back together again. We're all like these Humpty Dumpties that we've fallen, we have had a great fall, and we're just looking for somebody that can kind of put us back together again. And the very thing is like, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. We go to secondary sources instead of going to the primary source. And so we go to like these books with all these new nutritional ideas that we can try to, okay, if I I deal with my health, then maybe like these symptoms and these things that are going on in my life, like I can finally put these back together again, like we can figure out and these can be resolved in my life. Or we go to YouTube channels of our favorite therapists and we watch like, here's the thing that I need to be working on deep in my own soul, the soul work I need to be doing. We go to our social media influencers and we're looking at like, what's the new thing that I can be doing workout wise in my home? Like I got these free weights, I can go do these things. Like we're looking at all these places we prioritize like personal time, like personal time. If you have kids in your house, like it's like, okay, I'm going to like go and get some alone time by myself. going to like hole up in a wall somewhere and I'm just going to have some like me time. You know what I'm saying? Now, like the thing about all these is like, they're fine. They're good. They're, but they're secondary. They're secondary. Like they can't fulfill exactly what you're wanting in your life. There's only one primary source that can actually give you the renewal that you want in your life. And David is saying, I've found it. It's my good shepherd. He he leads me to the places that I, I want to be, the green pastures. He's found the still waters. He has the right paths. He knows how to lead me there. He's the guide. He knows the direction and he can finally lead me to that place. In essence, he's saying if you pursue renewal at the exclusion of God, then you'll never feel fully whole. He's saying, but like I followed my good shepherd. I followed God, and he's led me to these places. He knows where he's going. He knows how to get me there. He's pieced my life back together. I've sensed this place of renewal. Psalm 23 tells us first that he, he provides for us. And he provides for the deepest needs, not just the food, not just the drink, not just the guidance and direction that we need. He provides for your soul. He pieces you back together again. The second one that we find is this, is that he protects us. We find this in verses four through five. It says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with, more, with oil and my cup. It overflows. Now, there's a couple of things I want us to notice here that I think are pretty important. The psalmist, he's just worked through the good shepherd and how he leads them down the right paths, right? Now, notice the very next verse is that even if I walk through the darkest valleys, I think what's fascinating here is the psalmist has just said, he renews my life, he leads me down right paths for his namesake, and then he immediately goes, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Here's the thing like, I think we need to see. Sometimes the place for us to get to the place of renewal, God takes us the right path to get there is through the dark valley. Sometimes like, we have to go through the dark valley in order for us to get to this place of renewal, that we have to deal with the junk that's in our past, that we have to walk through these dark, measurable times in order for God to kind of draw us closer to himself. The dark valley is oftentimes one of the places that we have to go before we get to the place of renewal, the green pastures and the still waters. The second one 
is this, that the, the psalmist doesn't grow bitter or angry or distrusting, distrusting of the shepherd because there are dark valleys. Everybody, like, like, when you have these dark seasons in your life, we, I feel like we have this proclivity to, like, jump to this place that, like, how dare God? How dare God take me through the darkest valley? Like, I've done everything right in my life. Like, I, I've, I've followed him. Like, I've followed the rules. Like, I, I was a good kid. Like, we, we, we did the right things in our relationship before we got married. Like, we have all these things. Like, why in the world? Why God allow a dark valley in my life? And there's like this anger or resentment or bitterness that builds up inside of us. But that's not what happens to the psalmist here. Psalmist doesn't express like anger or distress or bitter, like a bitter taste towards the shepherd. But instead, he says, I, I fear no danger. There's like a deep trust that's taken root in, in the psalmist's life here. And I, I think it, there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, the reasons that he provides protection for his people. You see it in the, one of the, the, the end of verse 4. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So notice this, all right? So the very first section, God provides for us. He's out in front. But when we go through the dark valley, notice that the position is now different. That he's not just in front of us, but now he's come alongside of us. He's not out there at a distance, but actually he's drawn in at a closer, more personal place with his people. Now, David had this deep belief that God was with him. If you look at his life throughout the Old Testament, the Samuels and the Kings, David has this deep sense that God is uniquely with him. I mean, David didn't have this lack of dark valleys in his life. I mean, you see in his lifetime that he's running from kings, that he's running from nations. He's even running from his own sons. So there's definitely these places, these dark valleys that he has in his life. But yet there's this quiet trust that God is with him in the midst of these dark valleys that he goes through. And it's stated repeatedly that God is with him as you look throughout the Samuels and the Kings. I mean, it's like Saul is placing him over the armies and it says like God is with him. And then Saul's like, he's envious of David. And so he pursues after his life. And the Bible says, well, he's still with me. God is God is deeply with me. And then he's running from the Philistines. He's acting crazy. And he says, God's protected me. Like he's constantly saying that God is with him no matter what he's going on, no matter what's going on in his life. And it's just profoundly comforting to him. You see in the Psalms, you are my refuge and my strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Now, the thing that we need to understand about David, though, is it wasn't just that God's presence with what was with him that provided him the sense of comfort, but it was also his rod and his staff that they comforted him. Now, the rod and the staff, they have different purposes in a, a shepherd's life. The rod was used to defend against attackers that came towards the flock of sheep that he was leading and guiding throughout the fields. And then the staff was used for balance among the rugged terrain that the shepherd was on. And people have tried to interpret, like, what, is, what, what does the rod and staff mean? Like, is it the Bible? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the church? Like, what, what is the rod and staff whenever it comes to what is trying to be dictated in Psalm 23? And I think when we try to jump to these things, we're actually, like, getting away from the root, the heart of what 
David's trying to communicate here. I think instead of trying to like say, hey, here's the rod and the staff, try to figure it out and try to figure out how you get these things in your life. I think instead he's trying to show us that the shepherd is equipped for the journey that he's taking us on. See, if he's the one that's out leading us forward, he knows where the green pastures are. He knows where the still waters are. If he knows the right paths, if he's the one that leads us through the dark valleys, then he's equipped in order to get us to the place that he's promised, this place of renewal. I think Dave is not just trying to say like, hey, this rod and the staff, like if if you get yourself in the Bible, then everything's going to work out in your life. If, If you come to Jesus and he gives you the Holy Spirit, then the dark valleys, like, they're not going to feel like anything at all. Like, you're just going to walk through them with ease. I don't, I think David's saying that's too simplistic. What he's trying to communicate to us is, no, like, we have a shepherd that he knows where he's headed. He knows how to take us to the place where he's going, and he's equipped for the task at hand. He, He knows how to get us there, and he has all the tools at his disposal in order for us to get to the place that he's promised us, which is this place of renewal. Now, this isn't just an Old Testament thing, like that God is equipped in order to get us to where we're supposed to go. We actually receive the same assurances even in the New Testament. It's not necessarily speaking about the the rod and the staff, but we're told that God fights for us and he stabilizes us in this journey and walking with Jesus in this life. So here's a few. I think they're going to be on the screen. Romans 8, 28, we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. If you know the context of this verse, it's talking about this trials and tribulations that you go through in the Christian life. What the Bible is telling us is God uses all of these things for our good. So even in the bad stuff, God is working in our favor because he's equipped for the journey that he's taking us on. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. You have like these comparisons that are taking place. These bad things are still happening in this life, but look, they don't overcome you because you have a God who's walking with you. He's come alongside of you. He's protecting you on this journey that he's walking with us through this life. Second Thessalonians 3.3 says, the Lord is faithful He will strengthen you and he will guard you from the evil one. And then 2 Timothy 4.18, this is Paul speaking out of his own life, but also sort of a testimony of what each and every one of us can experience if we walk in endurance with Christ. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. You see, in essence, the dark valleys lead us to cling to the shepherd's knee and they draw us closer to him because he's equipped for the journey that he's taken us on. So uh, my third son, Sawyer, we have four boys for those of us that are new in the room, four boys, all eight and under, a lot of energy in our house, a lot of wrestle times at the home whenever I come through the front door. Um, But our third son, he's just turned three and we have a basement that has all the toys and the TV in our house. So our boys spend a lot of time down in the basement. Um, but if Seth and Sutton, our two oldest, aren't down there and the lights are off, he's terrified to go down into the basement. And so the thing that Cherish and I regularly hear him say, he comes up to us and he says, will you go down there with me? Will you go down there with me? 
He, he comes up to us. He has this fear. He has this angst about going into a place that's dark. He can't reach the lights. He can't turn it on. He, they leave it a mess, y'all. Like, it's a mess. There's like Legos all over the place. If, you've been, if you're a parent, you got up in the middle of the night and you've walked on Legos, you know just the darkest valley that that possibly can be. Amen? So he, he comes, he asks us, and so like we go and we go alongside of him, right? Like we go down into the basement, we turn on the lights, we'll get down on the floor, we'll play with him. But why does my son come to me? Like why, why does he come to me? It's because he, he knows that I'm a father that will come along his side and our stairs, they're pretty narrow, and so you have to step down and you want to make sure that you're holding on tight to him so he doesn't fall down the stairs. And then if you're in the dark and you can't get to the light, you have to walk a little ways into the basement before you can flip on the light. And there's toys that are scattered everywhere. Like he's still three, he's still trying to figure out just what it looks like to walk stably across the ground. And if there's, there's toys, like he needs direction, he needs guidance, he needs to know how to get to the right places to go in the basement. And he comes to us. Not like he comes to us because one, we're with him, but we're also equipped for the journey. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we know how to get there. We've been there before. We know what it looks like to walk through the dark places in our home. We've done it time after time in the middle of the night. He knows that he can come to us, that we can provide him with a sense of stability. And if there's anything that he's afraid of, that he knows that we're going to stand between him and whatever's in his way. That's exactly what David is saying here in Psalm 23, that God provides him protection. That even when I go through the darkest valley, I am not afraid because you're with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If a God that goes from out ahead of us, that when we go through the darkest valleys, he comes near to us and he walks alongside of us and he's equipped to walk us through the darkest valleys of his life. We don't have anything to fear. It's not just a promise of the Old Testament, but it's also a promise of the New Testament. So he provides for us he protects us, and then in verse 6, we see that he pursues us. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now, notice the two words that David says are constantly pursuing him. It says goodness and faithful love. So like modern day, if you look at a shepherd, a shepherd has sheepdogs, Right? What do sheepdogs do? They work with, alongside the shepherd and keeping the flock together. Um, so a lot of times they'll come, they'll nip at the, the heels of a sheep to get them back into the fold, but yet their, their tails are wa wagging throughout the constant motion of what's going on because they love their job. You know what I'm saying? And if, there's two, if there are sheepdogs to the shepherd in this passage, it's goodness and faithful love. And what we have to realize is that David, as deeply flawed character in the Bible, he still says that God is pursuing after him with goodness and faithful love all the days of his life. If you look throughout the Bible, you, you know that he is not a perfect character. You see deception in him with Uriah and Bathsheba. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then he ends up killing his hus her husband, Uriah. We see that he's arrogant, his brothers, before he goes and fights um, the big giant Goliath. 
his brothers hear conversations that he's having with people and they call him arrogant. He's very boastful. He has big ideas and big claims for his life. The, God has promised that he's going to be king and maybe it's probably gone to his head. You see it even at the end of his life. At the end of his life, at the end of 2 Samuel, it says that David sends out Joab. It's one of his chief men that's in his army. He goes out, sends him out to do a census of all the people because he has got a big head that like, look what I've accomplished in my life. And he's neglected the fact that it's God that's been with him, God that's worked through him. So he's got this arrogance. He's been deceptive. He's far from perfect. Yet he tells us that only goodness and faithful love pursue him for all of his life. Now, if David is such a flawed character in the Old Testament, then how in the world can he say that only goodness and faithful love pursue him all the days of his life? It's because he tasted a hint of God's grace. God's grace has been tasted in the life of David. After we see what he's done to Uriah and Bathsheba, he writes in Psalm 51, after someone's come and confronted him about his sin, we see this in Psalm 51, verses 7 through 12. He says, Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean, and wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Like, look, if it doesn't matter what book writer you're talking about, what theologian, person that studies the Bible, they all conclude that this is one of the primary places that we go to look at for what it looks like to walk in repentance before God when we have sinned against him. And what we see is that David has experienced the grace of God because God has come to him through the prophet Nathan and said he's, his sins have been forgiven. They've been separated from him. God doesn't look at him and see his sin anymore, but rather he sees the forgiveness that only comes through the foreshadowed Savior. See, David was a forgiven man. Now, if you've trusted in Christ, I think a thing that we can mistakenly do is we mistakenly view goodness and faithful love as displeasure and bad fortune. Like, oh, I've, I've screwed up again. There's no way that God, it, his grace has had to run out in my life. And we confuse things like conviction and weighty conscience with goodness and faithful love because these, they bring a sting to our life. There's this measure of guilt that we experience when we know that we've wronged a good and gracious God. But look, it's not God's displeasure that's with you or a bad omen of your future. It's the sheepdogs of the shepherd, his goodness and his faithful love. You see, they may be nipping at your heels to crawl you back into the fold, but all the while they're wagging their tails with their shepherd's good favor because they love their job and because the love of the shepherd is upon the dogs as they bring and corral the sheep back into the fold. Look, don't, don't confuse when you have conviction on your life for sin that has been committed and confuse it for things like um, or for uh, displeasure or a bad fortune. That, that's not what pursues you. If David is a flawed character in the Old Testament, 
Like, and we have the same promises that are for us in the New Testament, then what David proclaims that only goodness and faithful love pursue me all the days of my life are the same things that pursue you in this life as well. So the, the, the prick at your heart or the, the weighty conscience, it's, it's not bad omen or displeasure, but it's actually goodness and faithful love that are nipping at your heels to bring you back into the fold, the sheepfold of our Father. So look, like here's, here's kind of like where I want us to be at this place, all right? Like here's where I want us to be as we look through Psalm 23. Like I want us to see God's provision. I want us to see his protection. I want us to see how he's pursued after us. And that like here's the place I hope you're at. Like God is so good. I, I have a father who has loved me, who's protected me, who's provided for me, who's pursued me. Even in the, worstest, the worst moments of my life, he has not given up on me, but he's continued to pursue after me. And hopefully this stirs inside of you like this desire to know him and to be with him at a deeper place than before we walked in here. And here's how I think we can respond to Psalm 23. I think this is what David's trying to get us to at the very end of the psalm. The first one is this is that we own that we're sheep. We own that we're sheep. This means a couple of things. One, that you acknowledge that you're prone to wander away. And then second, that you're deeply dependent. You're fully dependent. All right, so the first one, that we tend to stray. Sheep are known for their wandering. They need direction, all right? So every single one of us, like we can, like I said, we, we have this place where we see like this broken measure of things that are going on in our life. That's why we pursue things like holistic health or self-care or uh, like counseling in our life. All these can be really good things. I'm not downplaying these at all. But we see this brokenness in our life and it's like you see off in the distance this place of renewal that you want to get, Right? Like when we first moved here, we moved here a little over a year ago, and our boys were obsessed with the arch, absolutely obsessed. We lived over off like I-55, and so we'd drive up and down, and you'd see the arch all the time. And so my boys, would, we'd drive by, by it, and they'd be like, Daddy, let's go see the arch again. Let's go see the arch again. Like they, they see the place that they want to go, but if I were to leave my boys at their own will, their own volition to try to get to the arch, there's no way that they're getting there. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's absolutely no way. They have an idea of where they want to go, but they don't know the right paths in order to get there. In fact, like, they're like little squirrels that, like, they find the shiny next object and they, like, wander off away. Like, they have an idea of where they want to go. They want to go to the, the huge arch, but then, like, they're going to find a quarter on the sidewalk and they're going to get occupied with that and they're going to wander away. Like, that's, like, the sheep mentality inside all of us. Like, we're no different than my boys. Like, we, we see the arch, we see the place of renewal that we want to go, but we're wandering sheep. Like, this is our identity. Like, our being indicates our action. And what, what the Bible tells us, we as sheep, we have to embrace that we are a people that we know we wander. That we're, we're constantly getting off the right path. That we're in need of a shepherd. But secondly, not just that we, we're the strained people, but we're also completely dependent. This is exactly what sheep are, all right? So the sheep metaphor, I think, is comprehensive, not just because of the nature of God's care, but the extent of it, all right? So I think there's an important distinction, like some, two of the primary images that we get of God are shepherd and also father throughout the New Testament, right? 
Now, children grow up and become less dependent on their earthly fathers, though the relationship continues. Sheep, on the other hand, are always and completely dependent on their shepherd. They never outgrow their need for the the shepherd to care for them, to feed them, lead them, and protect them. So look, I think this imagery is so helpful for us because one, it helps us identify like, yes, that's me. I'm the one who wanders away. I'm the one that doesn't stick on the right path. I I need the sheepdogs in my life to kind of keep me into the fold, but I'm also completely dependent. It's beautiful imagery, God is Father, but maybe even more so helpful that he's shepherd because we are always and completely dependent on him. We need him for everything in our life. He's the primary source of bringing us to this place of renewal and refreshment in our life. So embrace that you're sheep. Like, yeah, I wish it was a cheetah. I do. Like, it's way more cool. But like, it fits us to the T. We are, we are sheep. We are a people that stray, and we're completely dependent. And the second one is this, that we embrace Jesus as our shepherd. You see, the right path that's spoken about in verse 3 is belief in the finished work of Christ. Because we see this later in the New Testament when Jesus is speaking before the crowds in John chapter 10. See, normally sheep, they give their life for the shepherd, but Jesus is the good shepherd who gives up his life for the sheep. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own, they know me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. So if you want to find this place of renewal, like you come to Jesus as your good shepherd because he's the one that ultimately leads you to the place of the renewal that your heart so longs for. It's not because we sacrifice ourselves for him, but because he sacrificed himself for us. His wholeness is given completely to us only because he goes to the extent of laying down his life for the sheep. So look, if we want to come to Jesus, we want him to be our good shepherd. The place that we get to experience him now here in, the, in, in this life is in his word and it's in his church. So look, like the response here, if you want to embrace Jesus as your good shepherd, then get into his word and devour it. Like know his right paths. Know the places that he's called us to go, what it looks like to live under his rule in this life. Devour his word. Get into it. Like, embrace it, savor it, get it not just in your head, but deep down in your heart, and then commit yourself to the church. Like, this is the place of God's flock. This is where he says that there's not, the gates of hell will never break down the gates of the church. He's fully and completely with the church. He says, this is where my presence now resides, is with the church. When they gather together, I'm there with them. So look, if you want to embrace Jesus, like you, you put your worst foot forward, you embrace everything he's done for you, but then you get into his word because you want to be with your, your Jesus, and then you get around his people because he rubs off on his people through his people. So look, like embrace it, like own that you're a sheep, and then embrace Jesus as your good shepherd. This is what it looks like to walk in light of Psalm 23. To conclude, um, I, I saw a pastor this past week. He said, a little, good, little girl stood up in front of her church to quote Psalm 23. And here's what she said, all right? It's a little comical, but like, I think it's very fitting. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Not, it's all that I need. 
That's all I want. And here's what he, he said. Sometimes the misquotes are the truest quotes, especially when they come from children. Yes? And at the end of Psalm 23, God provides for us, God protects us, and he pursues us. I can't help but agree with the little girl that that's all I want. Jesus is my, my good shepherd. Let's pray. Um, Father, I pray um, for us, just this, this small room of people, God, I pray that we would see that you are a, a good God who provides for us and he provides direction for us in this life, that you, you protect us, God, that, yeah, we walk through dark valleys and there's troubling times. The Bible doesn't promise this, that we're going to be be able to get away from these things in the life, this life, but rather like through the midst of it, you draw closer to us and you're equipped to walk us through this journey of life. And then will you pursue us? When we embrace the reality that we're, we're sheep, that we, we stray, we know we're prone to wander, God. But you have these sheepdogs of goodness and faithful love that are just nipping at our heels, keeping us within the fold. You're never displeased with us. There's never a bad omen on our life, but rather like, the conviction that we experience over sin is what you're, the good work of your spirit that's happening inside of us. And so God, we pray, I, I pray that just the goodness of Psalm 23 would just be something that saturates our lives as we walk away from this place. God, may we not get out of our mind these three Ps that you, you provided for us, you protect us, and you pursue us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.